0: a Bible. If you have a Bible this morning, turn with me to Mark chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hands and one of the the guys will bring you one so you can follow along. I think it's really good to be able to see the Word and hear the Word and even touch the Word. No, I don't think that has anything to do with it. But uh, anyways, Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 13. Jesus went out again beside the sea, and the whole crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. Then passing by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at a toll booth, and he said to him, Follow me, and he got up, and he followed him. When he was reclining at the table in Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with Jesus. And his disciples, for there were many who were following him. And when the scribes who were Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors shame on him, huh? They asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard this, he told them It is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. Let's pray together. Father, I'm thankful that you saw this sinner. (laughs) This drunkard, drug addict, sexual, out of control man. And you called me and said, I can change you. If you get up and follow me, Garrett, your life will never be the same. And God, you kept your promise, Lord, to mold me and shape me and change me into your image. And you're doing it day by day. And so I pray the same on these beautiful people in this room, Lord, that you would touch them and that you would change them. And those that are without, without hope this morning, that you would save them. And Lord, those that feel bankrupt and, and hurting and helpless and hopeless, Lord, you would show up in their lives in a powerful way. That you would call them to come and follow you. So we, we invite you here this morning, Lord. We invite your Holy Spirit to come and minister to us. Teach us your word, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, one thing, I mean, I love a lot of things about Jesus, but what I really love about Jesus is he's a friend of sinners. Jesus loves those that are so far away from God with a passion and we see it in this story today that he sees a man. He sees a despised man by the name of Levi, a tax collector, an extortioner, a thief, a liar, a, a not a, a, somebody that is gone. It's not about a moral or an ethical issue with the Pharisees. It's a, it's about a religious issue. They saw him as the lowest rung of society. You couldn't get any lower. A, a tax collector was lower than a prostitute, lower than a rapist, lower than a murderer, lower than a thief. They were considered the lowest of the low. Yet Jesus, I love that name, don't you? Yet Jesus didn't see any of that. What Jesus saw was that he could take a man like Levi and change him and make him like Jesus. Now, who doesn't want that this morning? Man, I want to be like Jesus. In Jesus' mission statement, Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. That's who he is. That was his mission statement. That was his, the overriding character of who he is. Madly in love with people, madly in love with the lost, madly in love with sinners madly in love with me and madly in love with you. That's good news. That is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I love in the correlating passage what uh, Luke says. Luke says something really cool here. In Luke five twenty eight, he says, so leaving everything behind, he got up and began to follow Jesus. He left everything. So this man... You got to understand, this was a lucrative business. The guy was filthy rich. To get up and leave this position would mean he would give up millions of dollars in our culture. And why the why the Jews hated him so much is they would go to the Romans, and the Romans would give them uh, a job to do, and say, "Look, you collect taxes, and whatever you collect over that, you can keep for yourself." So he was the lowest rung of society. They hated him. a Jew doing this to another Jew was the worst possible thing. And so when this guy, this guy had nothing else but tons of money, and he gets up and he leaves it all to follow after Jesus. I love that. So leaving everything behind, he got up and begins to follow Jesus. Interesting. Interesting, interesting. This guy was a quiet disciple if we read through the Gospels. He never said one word except he wrote the book of Matthew. Levi is actually a, a priestly name. He was given a, obviously given a priestly name by his parents, and we'll look at that in just a second. But Jesus, like Jesus loves to do, Jesus sees you, he sees me, and he doesn't see our, our reputation. He sees our potential. And so Jesus gives him a new name. He calls him by the name Matthew, which means gift of God. Can you imagine this despised load tax collector? And Jesus said, I'm going to give you a new name, and your name's going to be Matthew. And that means gift of God. That means you're a gift to me because Jesus is God. And so I don't know what was going on in Matthew's head exactly, but I do know this. When he heard that, when he heard the call, he didn't hesitate. He rose up. He denied himself. He picked up his cross and he followed Jesus. And that's what he's calling us to do this morning. And I love it when Jesus sees the unlikely, the socially unacceptable, the spiritually unhealthy man and he calls them into a relationship with him. Now we'll get back to that in a second but before we do, I want to ask you some questions. Are you A friend of sinners. If you embody Jesus, if Jesus lives in you, if Jesus has called you to be like him, if Jesus has has saved you and washed you and redeemed you and made you righteous before him, then I need to ask you a question. Are you like Jesus, right? Are you a friend of sinners? Because this should be a very, uh, because you're one of the groups of people in this, right? Sadly, a lot of us are more like the Pharisees than we are like, like uh, uh, Levi or like Jesus. We act more like a Pharisee than we do uh, 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 someone that is a friend of sinners. Do you spend time with persons who don't? know Christ whose lives may be offensive to you, whose reputation among people like us is an embarrassment to us. Do you love sinners? Do you serve sinners? Do you care about sinners? Do you reach out to sinners? You know, the gospel comes with a key to a house, your house. Do you open up your life? Do you open up your house? Do you open up your, your resources to bring people into a loving relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of glory. Are you, am I, a friend of sinners? Are you, am I, like Jesus? And this is tough. You can't read this text, at least I hope you can't, without being convicted, without being stewarded, to, ch- to change. And the thing that I ask, and the question I ask is, why, why do people flock to Jesus and avoid church people like us? Why do people flock to Jesus and avoid church people like us when we're supposed to be like Jesus? <laughs> I mean, that's a convicting question. How many people are you in relationship right now with that are far from Jesus Christ, that do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you just hang out with church people? If you just hang out with church people, chances are you're more like the, I hate to say this, and I say this as gently as I possibly can, the Pharisees, than you are like Jesus. Listen. I want to have a similar impact on those that are far from God. The gospel comes with a house key, my friends. And we need to get on Jesus' bandwagon. We need to not forget what our mission is as Jesus' bodily presence in the world reaching out to those who need His healing and His forgiveness. Many of us spend... Don't spend any time with sinners and worse, many of us think and act just like modern-day Pharisees. matter of fact, the, the, the scripture will be on the wall, right? And I wonder, maybe this is somehow Levi prayed this and heaven saw it. but Luke 18:11 says this: "The Pharisee was standing and praying like this about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I get. But the tax collector, standing afar off, would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but kept striking his chest, saying, God have mercy on me a sinner. And which one was made righteous? Which one did God answer? Which one did God see? He saw the one who humbled himself realizing that he is no better than anybody else because friends in front of the cross of Jesus Christ the ground is absolutely level. And And compared to God's infinite holiness there is about this much of a gap between you and Charles Manson there's about this much of a gap between you and, and, and Chairman Mao or Stalin or Hitler or anything else compared to God's holiness. Yet when you give yourself to Jesus Christ, what happens is, is that you become like Christ. That gap gets huge. Now it's still compared to God's holiness. It's like this. But, but the thing is, is now when Jesus sees you, he sees his son. And so now we're to be Jesus with skin in the world. Because we've been made righteous, we've been put in a position of Christ-likeness, we've been put in a place of righteousness, we've been put in a place where God, where God now begins to work through us. Maybe you're sitting here this morning thinking to yourself, I. I don't even think God can change me. I've been stuck in this sin for 30 years. I've been stuck in this for 20 years. I've been stuck in this for 10 years. And would God even want to change me? Listen, God is in the business of changing lives. He uses Matthew to write one of the greatest books of the Bible, guys, where, 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 where there's nine different discourses and and I think 20, uh, 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 sorry, 10 different uh, parables. And I mean, you guys wouldn't even have a mantle at Christmas time if it wasn't for Matthew. There'd be no wise men on it. I mean, and, and, and he's the only one that put that awesome thing. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's the only one that wrote that. That's my fa- one of my favorite verses in all the New Testament. When, when God turned his back on Jesus... And the wrath of God and the sins of the world were poured out upon him and, and Jesus's heart breaks because it's the first time since eternity passed where their, their their union, their communion, their fellowship had been separated, we wouldn't have that. And then of course, my favorite verse, that's my favorite story that's my favorite like concept, my f- in you know, paid in full, it is finished, right but is we wouldn't have the great commission go into all the world, preach the gospel. Right? Go in all the world, make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right, Teaching them to obey all I have commanded, with, commanded you. And my favorite part of that whole verse, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. Matthew wrote that. He can change you. If he can change this guy, he can change anybody. The lowest rung in society. That's who my God is. No matter what you are stuck in, whether you've been fleecing the people of God like Levi or you're a prideful, arrogant Pharisee or whatever your sin is, Jesus is in the business of changing lives. Now, what I really love about this story and the stories of the Bible, it's the Bible is full of stories of people that God has changed dramatically. And so real quickly, I want to look at a few of them, okay, because I think it's important. If you don't think God can change you this morning, listen to the hall of these people right here. This is pretty, pretty amazing. Abraham, right? He lied twice, once to Abimelech, once to Pharaoh. His wife ended up in a harem twice of kings. Now, I do not recommend that you lie to the point where your wife ends up in a harem, okay? That would not be good for your marriage. But Abraham lied. And, and and she ended up there now god protected her right god protected her and, and and through it all he ends up getting a ton of money and a ton of stuff from pharaoh but then he gets a slave girl named hagar right you know you know the story and then what's he do you know it, Hey, God promises him to give him a son, Isaac. This is who the Messiah is going to come through. Uh, you're, going to have, you're going to have Isaac, and the Messiah is going to come through him, and you just need to wait. And he was impatient, and he couldn't wait, and he goes in and sleeps with the slave girl, and we're still dealing with that today in the Middle East, the consequences of that. Yet what does God say of Abraham? Get this concept. Yes, he did all these things. He didn't wait on the promises of God. He slept with a slave girl. He lied twice, and his wife ended up in a harem. But Abraham is my friend. He's the only other guy besides Daniel that was called the friend of God. Abraham, my friend, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Abraham, you are my righteous one. Abraham, the Messiah will come to you. Jesus saw man. And I love the story of Jacob. He deceived his dad. He tricked his dad into uh, giving the blessing to him and didn't wait on God after God had told him he was going to get the blessing, and, and he just lied and deceived, and he lied and deceived his, his uncle Laban, and, and he did all these horrible things, and, and yet we would look at this and say, this guy's, a, this guy's a messed up, man. How could God ever love this guy, right? Well, what does God do in his life? He gives them, he's a manipulator and master conniver, he, give, he, he, he makes them the father of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel, Judah, the line of the Messiah come through him, and he wrestled with God and received a blessing. And then we have Moses. Moses murdered a man. Moses came out, he'd spent 40 years under Pharaoh, his, Pharaoh's daughter had adopted him and, and raised him as his own kid, and at 40 years he sees. A guy, uh, uh, an Egyptian beating uh, one of the uh, Jewish slaves, and he goes and he kills the guy. And then he runs out into the wilderness for 40 years, and he's in the the wilderness for 40 years. God's not talking to him. God's not using him. He's he's herding his father-in-law's sheep. He's working for his father-in-law. We won't even go into that. And what happens with him? God shows up in the burning bush, and he reveals himself like he's never been revealed to anybody this far and says that I am that I am and God speaks to him through the burning bush and what happens in Moses' life Moses leads the people of Israel he calls down 10 plagues he parts the red sea he writes the five books of the bible the 10 commandments the most humble he's quoted from the, in the scriptures as the most humble man who had ever lived until Jesus came along saw the face of God saw God's face to face and lived Spoke God spoke to him in the mountain. God spoke to him in the tabernacle. He interceded for the people, and, the pe- and God relented on destroying the people of Israel. Jesus quotes Moses every time he quotes Scripture. Jesus saw a man. God saw a man, and he sees a man and he sees a woman in here this morning. He's not only a friend of sinners, but he's in the business of changing people's lives. And we see it in Levi, and we see it in me, we see it in you, we see it throughout all the biblical texts that he just grabs a hold of people. And we have David. I mean, come on, David? David was a murderer. He was an adulterer. He lied about it. He took one of his best friend's wife, slept with her, and when he got her pregnant, he sent him to the front line so the guy would get killed to try to cover it up. Yet every time you read about David in the scriptures, he's a man after my own heart. David did everything that I commanded except this one thing with Bathsheba and Uriah. It's like an afternote. I mean, I don't even get that. Yet that is the grace of God, my friends. That is the forgiveness of God, that is the mercy of God. And the man after God's own heart and wrote the Psalms. I mean, how many of you have been blessed by the Psalms? I know I have. He promised a blessing and a throne and an everlasting kingdom and a Messiah. And then we have Rahab the prostitute, right? She was a prostitute. And she protected God's people. The only, out of the whole city that got destroyed, there was only one thing standing and that was Rahab's house. She was a prostitute. And it gets better than that. Not only was she a prostitute, but she was in the line of King David, which means she was Jesus' great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother. No wonder he loved sinners and prostitutes. No wonder he loved those people. I mean, his great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother was. Yet God redeemed her life. And then we got Paul consented to murdering Stephen, persecuted the church, ripped families apart, a violent man, a prideful legalist. Great, I, I, arguably the greatest Christian that has ever lived. The greatest Christian that has ever lived, Paul. Wrote 13 books of the no T- New Testament, gave us our, our theology, was taken up to heaven, was a missionary and church planner. And without Paul, the Gentiles, how many of you have Jewish background in your, in your blood? Anybody? Raise your hand. Anybody? Okay, one, two, three. So outside of those three, without Paul, you would probably not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. God took a murderer, a persecutor of the church, somebody that ripped apart families and jerked fathers out of homes and jerked parents out of homes and threw them in prison and crucified, crucified not crucified, beat them and hurt them and, and put them to death. Yet Jesus saw man. Jesus saw a man. What does he want to do in you this morning? <laughs> I know that I can I can change that man, God is saying this morning. I can change that woman. There's nobody that's too far from me that I can't change and bless. And Jesus saw Levi and he sees you. <laughs> the last one, uh, there's two more, but. Real quickly, Peter denied Christ to his face, cursed and lied, den- denied. He used him to build his church, and he preached, and 3,000 uh, came to God, and he raised the dead, healed the sick, cast out demons, and preached the gospel. And then for you ladies, there's Mary. In Luke 8, two, it says this about Mary, not Mary the mother of Jesus, but Mary Magdalene. It says, the 12 were with him, and also women who had been healed of evil spirits and sickness. Mary called Magdalene... Seven demons had come out of her, from demoniac to disciple. That is awesome. Fearlessly, she stood at the foot of the cross. Everybody else had forsaken Jesus besides Mary and John, and she stood there at the foot of the cross. She, she was at the tomb when Jesus was laid in there weeping. She was at the tomb the day Jesus raised from the dead. And do you know who the very first person that Jesus Christ showed up to and revealed himself after his resurrection. Mary. The very first word out of his life: where have you taken him? Mary. He knew his name, knew her name, loved her, cared about her, had a relationship with her, knew her personally, knew her indepthly knew that he could change her and changed her because there is not a person in the Bible that shows as much devotion, I do not believe, as Mary does. Maybe David might be the only rival, as much devotion to Jesus Christ as Mary did. And she had seven demons. This is my Jesus. My Jesus is madly in love with you. And if you will lay everything down and you will rise up and you will deny yourself and you will pick up your cross and follow him as Levi did he will do above and beyond all that you ask or think in your life and he will take you on an adventure that you never thought possible because that's what he does and that's who he is and I love. I, I think one of my favorite parts is he he knew her name. <laughs> Listen, that word "follow" in verse fourteen, "Follow me," it means it's a call to radical surrender. It's a call to repentance and uh, faith and to, and and to be like Jesus and to engage sinners and to commit your life to follow Him with your life, with loving generosity and obedience and personal sacrifice and purity and compassion, surrendering your way of doing things for the way of Jesus is doing things, right? Because that's where the blessing is. You won't have it without that. Back to the text for a second here. He got up into 14 and followed him. While he was reclining at a table in Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. Many who followed him or were following him. And when the scribes, who were the Pharisees, saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus had a reputation. Matter of fact, in Luke 7, 34, the Son of Man had come eating and drinking, and you say, look, a glutton and a drunkard a friend of tax collectors and sinners. In John 8, 41, he says, you're doing what your father does, Jesus told them, that you're acting like the devil. But what they said back to him, because he was born of the Holy Spirit, we weren't born of sexual immorality. They were, they said, we have one father, God. So he called them a drunkard, a glutton, and a bastard. That's what they called him. Jesus had a reputation, but was... Jesus' heart wasn't anything like his reputation. Jesus' life wasn't anything like his reputation. And they saw, and it's interesting because the thing, Matthew Matthew must have hated these guys because he speaks more about them. Being, he's the one that quoted the, that, you hypocrites, you brood of vipers, you sons of hell, you children of the devil. That was Levi's interpretation of who The Pharisees were, and he he heard Jesus say that, and he goes, man, I'm going to write this down. This is awesome. These guys have been punks all my life. I'm just going to write this. No, I'm just, but it's like, wow, right? Wow. And I mean, this this is amazing. Levi the priest. Guys, you got to understand who this guy probably was. Listen, you name your kids for what you want them to be. His name wasn't tax collector. Jesus calls him gift of God, but his parents call him Levi. That means he's most likely from the priestly line. That means he was a priest. So what is it that got him off track? What was it it about church or the pastor or his uncle or his parents or his dad or his mom or his relatives that got him off track because Levi is a priestly name. You don't name your kid Levi unless you want Levi to grow up being a priest. So that means he knew the scriptures. That means he understood the scriptures. Matter of fact, we know he knew the scriptures because he speaks about more about Jesus' prophecy about being the Messiah than any other person in the book of Matthew. I mean, this this is this should blow your mind. And so, I I mean, he, what happened? How did he get so far off track? What was it in his life that he saw? 99 times in the book of Matthew, he quotes the Old Testament. And here it is. 38 times he used the words fulfilled, prophesying and quoting the scriptures of the coming Messiah. And he got off track. Maybe he became disillusioned. With the religious system maybe he was he studying in jerusalem and he and he walked to the temple and he saw the the pharisees and the sadducees fleecing the people and you would bring a perfectly spotless lamb to sacrifice and the the priest would look at the priest and the and then would look at it and go oh there's a blemish uh you have to we'll, we'll take this and trade plus another 500 for our lamb without a blemish these have been inspected And so they were fleecing the people. They were ripping them off blind. Maybe he went to the temple and he saw, look, these guys are hypocrites. These guys don't live the way I see in the the scriptures, the, the, the character of God. They live nothing like it. These people, these Pharisees, he said, they're nothing like the God that I want to serve. And maybe he saw all the hypocrisy and all the baloney, and he must have had a problem with it. And he walked away from the Lord. He saw their greed, covenant and arrogance of these religious folks and said, you know what? I don't want anything to do with them. Deductive reasoning says that's the only thing that could have happened with a name like Levi. Or maybe, maybe his dad was a priest. His mom was married to a priest. And he grew up under that system and heard all he heard was, was complaining and murmuring and slander and gossip around the, the dinner room table. Maybe there was fighting and drunkenness, and cheating, and hatred. Maybe the parents weren't walking the walk and talking the talk. Maybe they were the biggest hypocrites next to the Pharisees that he saw in his life. I don't know. But what I do know is, either his parents or the Pharisees, he saw religion for something that he didn't want anything to do with and he walked away and he dove in he said you know what forget about all this i am going to go get everything this world has to offer i'm going to grab the world by the tail i'm going to i'm going to get my own <laughs> and guys if you don't think kids are smart My five-year-old can smell hypocrisy a mile away. I won't even mention my 10, 12, and 14. Or my eight, my six. My one-year-old only thinks she smells his food, so. (laughs) Is your house full of grace and mercy and love? And forgiveness. Do you humble yourself and go up to when you sinned against your child? You go up to him and say, "God, will you forgive me, Daddy? Was so wrong. I sinned against you, man. You you will get so many miles out of that. You know what? Daddy wasn't acting like Jesus. Daddy was a hypocrite. Daddy got angry. Daddy, whatever it may. Daddy un- didn't understand the, the, the with eight kids you." you know sometimes you don't act like a lawyer and hear both sides that you just go in and you know and it ends up the one that got hot and raised his voice wasn't the one at fault at all It was the one over there in the corner giggling right you know it was after 30 times of this one asking this one to stop that this one and then you know and i just come in right and then and a hypocrite would be arrogant and not do anything about it but Somebody like Jesus, well, Jesus would have never done it, but a humble, godly follower of Jesus Christ would humble themselves and say, you know what, I was so wrong, will you please forgive me? So whatever it is that came into Levi's life that he saw the drunkenness, the fighting, bickering, gossip, slander around the table, I I, I have no idea what it was, but something turned this man, this Levi, this man of a priestly line, away from the church. And my caution to you is is not to live a hypocritical life because they will grow up not wanting anything to do with your God, your church, or your Jesus. And my friends, that is just too much of a cost to bear. That's just too much. And if you're sitting here this morning and saying, you know what, God, I'm not gonna follow you, right? I'm not going to follow you because what that pastor did to you or that uncle did to you who said he was an elder in the church or, or me, I mean I might even be the guy at some point, I don't know. You can't stand before a holy and righteous God and say, you know, it was, it was the hypocrisy in the church, it was Christians, it was a pastor, it was my parents, it was my mom, my dad, it was the religious system, it was my family, it was the teacher, or whatever it is, you will never be able to stand in front of a holy God and say, I didn't follow you. I didn't pick up my cross, deny myself, and follow you because of Uncle Bob the deacon in the church because Jesus is perfect and holy and righteous and he is worth following. He is the one that changes life. He is the perfect one. He is the glorious one. He is the loving one. He is the kind one. He is the patient one. He is the long-suffering one. He is the one that radically loves you and says if you come and follow me I will turn you into something that you never thought possible. And that is Jesus. And so he's saying, come on, come, come on an adventure with me and see what I do in your life. It's it's who he is. (laughs) Come follow me. Let me diffuse every horrible thing anyone has ever said about you. Let me diffuse all the horrible things you thought about yourself. Let me let me let me get rid of that reputation that you earned. That that sin that you lived with. The way that, that the world and the Pharisees see you. <laughs> and let me change you. Just come with me and watch what I do in your life. And it's interesting when Matthew is listing out all the disciples in the book of Matthew. You know what he does? He just lays it out there. Matthew, the tax collector. Now you have to be over your shame to list that. You can't. You wouldn't just tell the whole world for two thousand years to read. You know what? In the Book of Matthew, Matthew, I am a tax collector, but I have been redeemed and saved, and now I'm a Christ follower. And look at my Book of Matthew. You're going to be so rocked by my book. The Holy Spirit gave it all to me, and you're going to be able to put wise men on your shelf on your mantle. That's cool. I'm all humbug, but that's a whole nother story. A bunch of my friends asked me, "You gonna hang lights on your on your house this year?" I said, "Yeah, if you come over and do it." <laughs> uh verse fifteen, and I'll close with this. I know I'm going long today. I I figured I would, but. I already read it. He says, sinners were eating with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who were following him. And, of course, the Pharisees, eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked the disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? But this isn't what I want you to see. Immediately when Jesus touched Levi's life, the first thing he did is he goes and gets his friends he goes and gets every single person he knows, everybody that's hated by society, and he says, "Come, I gotta show you. I, you gotta meet this guy. He's coming over to my house for dinner." His name's Jesus. And you know what? He, he he didn't see that I was a, he didn't care I was a tax collector. You guys don't understand. He didn't care that I was a wretched sinner. He didn't care that I was the dregs of society. And then, this is the cool thing. In that day, they dipped their food in a bowl and they ate together. And that was considered oneness and unity. And the Pharisees believed that if you dipped your your in the same bowl as, as sinners, that you were defiled. Matter of fact, they couldn't even touch a prostitute's house or touch a tax collector's house or, or bump into him on the street. So here's Jesus reclining with all these sinners, doing the thing that is just driving these guys nuts. He's dipping his food in the same bowl as them, and he's taking it. That is cool. And how I, I you know, Jesus had a sense of humor. I wonder if he's like looking over at the Pharisees going, <laughs> You, know, you you got to wonder these things, right? <laughs> and he says, "Look, guys, I am the great physician." I came for these people. I am the prescription. They are sick, and they have a disease, and it's called sin, and I am the cure, and there's not, they're not going to have to pay the bill because I paid it on the cross. There's no copay. You won't get sent to collections. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody gets to the Father but by me, and I came and I died on the cross so that you can have fellowship with me, and you can be forgiven of your sins, but better than that, you... Well, there's nothing better than that. Sorry. Let me rephrase that. Let me start over. Okay. And you could be forgiven of your sins. And if you follow me, I'll change you. And I'll make you into something that you never thought that it could be. Because you're not going to get to to collections if you don't pay. Because it was paid in full on the cross when Jesus said, it is finished. That's past sins present sins, and future sins for all of you that are in Christ Jesus. The wife beater, the adulterer, the prostitute, the immoral, tax collector, the angry, the prideful, the greedy, the extortioner, the thief, the liar, the cheater, the adulterer, the legalist, the violent, the Pharisee, the hateful, the addicted. And I don't know what your sin is, but the list goes on and on. My friends, Jesus sees what no one else can see, even your wife or your husband. And He sees not your sin. And remember this, your potential. Just like the prodigal son. Do you remember that story? It's a picture of the father sitting on the porch with his son stuck in the pig pen. And he sees the, the son coming afar off, and what does he do? That dirty, rotten, can't believe he went and squandered all my money on prostitutes and drunkards and no. He jumps off the porch and he runs. To his son and he puts a ring on his finger and he gives him a robe a robe of righteousness and he sacrifices a calf and he throws him a party and when we get to heaven friends Jesus is going to throw us a party I don't understand it I don't get it but we're all going to sit down at the banqueting table of the lamb and he is going to serve us and all he's asking you is to pick up your cross deny yourself and follow him i think that's a small thing to ask amen let's stand let's pray together father thank you for your word i just love it love it love it because it's so alive has instruction for our life. It changes us. It molds us. It shapes us. <laughs> God, I love it. Lord, I pray that people would leave here believing that you're willing to change them. I pray that they would open up their house and their lives to sinners. I pray that they would lay your, their pharisaical ways down at the foot of your cross. I pray that they would let you love them. I pray that they would let you love them, and I let let the, let you cleanse them, let you save them. God, please don't let us leave this 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 instruction, this sermon, your word today unchanged, unsubmissive. Help us to walk in obedience to it, Lord, trusting that you know what's best in our lives. We are all in need of the great physician today, Lord. Would you cleanse us? Fill us with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.